Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. to be with you this morning. Uh, I've never actually spoken in real life. I think I've spoken twice on Zoom when we're all in our pyjamas at home. Um, or some of you are. Uh, but this is the first time I've spoken from the front. And I just want to start off by telling you about an experience I have or have had sometimes. And I don't know whether you've had this experience where you go to your supermarket, maybe Tesco or somewhere else, and as you approach this store, those automatic doors open and you walk in and as you walk into the store you're hit by something it's, the, it's an aroma it's a smell does anyone know what that smell is toilets not the toilets robin <laughs> thank you kirby the right answer uh, it is the bakery i know about bakery the the uh, the smell of the of the cooked goods wafts across the store and hits you as you walk in. And even though I might have gone to, uh, to the shop just to get some milk or some dog food or some toothpaste, suddenly I find myself in the corner of the store surrounded by Danish pastries, <laughs> croissants, baguettes, all kinds of baked goods. And I'm, and I'm smelling it, and it's tingling my senses. And I can almost, almost taste the, these baked goods. And then, before I know it, I'm stood at the checkout, and not only have I got the toothpaste, I'm cradling all kinds of baked goods. I didn't go in for these baked goods, but I, I want them because I'm not satisfied with just the smell of what they smell like, I want to taste what it, 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 the thing itself. Um, and so even though I've had my breakfast, I want to taste the thing itself. Um, and nothing beats the real thing, having those baked goods. And today we're looking at how the early church needed to be reminded that nothing beats the real thing. That is, a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. They were tempted to replace this real thing of a relationship with God with a shadow, with an inferior alternative. And we're going to see, as we look at this passage today, that it's something we need reminding of as well. So, Lizzie, my wife, is going to uh, read the passage. So it's uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Um, so if you've got any Bible, otherwise just listen to Lizzie who's going to read that to us now. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there, there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. 
They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there'd been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbours or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Thanks, Lizzie. Uh, so, before we come to this passage, I just want to remind us what happened last week. So, last week, Charles helped us to see that Jesus is um, forever a better advocate than we could ever get on earth. It's like someone who will vouch for us. And he used the example of how when we apply for a job, we need someone to be our referee, someone who's going to testify about our character and our abilities. And explain how Jesus is like our referee, testifying to our character as if we were perfect. Um, not because we are, but because he is. Um, we heard that Jesus is able to, it says, save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So that was last week. And today we're going to look at how Jesus provides a better covenant a better deal than anything we could get on earth. So first, let's look at what these early Christians were perhaps comparing Jesus to. What were they tempted to do instead of lean on Jesus in life? Um, well, before they put their trust in Jesus, they'd been part of a Jewish way of life. So they'd been visiting the temple probably every year, trying to keep all the laws, all the rules, and they would have looked to the high priest, this one person, one man, to represent them as he carried out special duties that only he could as he stood before God in the most holy place of the temple one day every year. But since they've put their trust in Jesus, they knew that those old ways were meaningless and they weren't needed anymore. However, We've fast-forwarded from there a few months or a few years, and these early Christians are tempted to, or are, drifting back towards those old ways. 
um, they're being tempted to rely on the high priest again to try to get them right with God. And this is where we listen in to this chapter today to the writer reminding them that in Jesus we have a high priest on a whole other level. So let's have a look. If you've got a Bible, you can see in the first few verses uh, how the writer spells out to them just how much better the way of Jesus is. Um, At the start of the chapter, he describes how the old way of relying on a high priest, this way they were drifting towards, would be to worship God in a building, in a temple made of stones built by, as it says in verse 1, mere humans. But Jesus, it tells us in verse 1 and 2, Jesus is not in a temple on earth built by men. He is in heaven itself. And he's sitting down. It says he's sat at the right hand of the majesty. We hear about how the old way, in verse 4, of relying on a high priest was one in which the high priest would offer gifts and sacrifices. So that involved uh, killing animals like a bull and a goat, and their blood would be shed. It says that in verse 4. So that was the old way. But we read uh, that Jesus doesn't offer bulls or goats. He could have got the finest bull in all the land, but he didn't do that. Jesus offered his own perfect life. His own life in which he'd never lied, he'd never misled anyone, he'd never hated another person, he'd never nursed a grudge, he'd never felt jealous or envious of those who had it easier than him. Yet he willingly went to the cross to die as the perfect sacrifice. So just to recap that, we've got the old way of the high priest took place in a man-made building, but the way of Jesus is in heaven itself at the right hand of the Father. The old way of the high priest involved the blood and sacrifice of bull and goats, but the way of Jesus involved his blood and his sacrifice. So everything about the high priest that they thought was so amazing and were tempted to go back to was actually a copy, or it says a shadow, of what was going on in heaven, of what Jesus has done. So it's incomparable. This is an imitation. It's, not, it's inferior. It's nowhere near the original, what, what Jesus has done in heaven. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Paris. Uh, if you don't know Paris, maybe you've seen it on TV, Home Alone 2, I believe that's where Kevin's family went and he should have gone. Well, I went to Paris a few years ago with some friends before I met Lizzie and uh, I remember it was incredible to get a feel for a different country. Um, we went on the underground and we saw all the adverts, they were all in French. We had the tannoy announcement. Even that was in French. We'd go to the restaurants. The menus were all in French. The food was French. We went to where we stayed. Funny plugs. Couldn't put our plugs in. The plugs were French. The TV was French. The food was different. There was a particular vibe. It felt different. It was a different culture. It was, it was amazing. Now, if I lived in China... I might think, well, Paris is a long way away. Maybe I'll go, instead of going to Paris, I could go to a place called 
Tian Ducheng. Now, you might not have heard of Tian Ducheng, but I found out that this is a place in China where the entire town has been built and is supposed to look like Paris. So there is actually an Eiffel Tower. There is a Champs-Élysées, which I believe is the avenue, the, the road in, in Paris. They followed the patterns of the buildings in Paris. I imagine it is amazing. It must look incredible. But it's not Paris. It's not France. The people don't speak French. Um, it's a copy. It's not the real deal. So if you wanted to go to Paris in France, you wouldn't be happy to settle with Tienduchet. And yet that is what was happening here. The Jews were being tempted to settle for a copy, a shadow of what is in heaven rather than the real thing. So how about us? Um, there is no temple with a high priest in Jerusalem today that we could be tempted to go and rely on. And you're probably not Jewish, but there are other things that we can all be tempted to drift towards that maybe look great or are very appealing to us, and, but they tempt us away from Jesus. So here's a few, a few examples I could think of. Escapism. Maybe we look to things like, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be food, it could be relationships, all kinds of things when we want to drown out the noise that is in our head or we want to stop the hurt from the past that keeps uh, bogging us down. So maybe escapism is something that we could drift towards in whatever way that is. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe we just want a really comfortable life. We just um, we want to feel safe. We don't want to have to worry about anything and we don't want to take any risks because that could mean life gets a bit bumpy. Or maybe um, the thing we could drift towards instead of Jesus is trying to be a good person or a good Christian and relying on that. Maybe we can have those times, can't we, where maybe I've, I've got up and I've read my Bible for several days on the trot. I've been kind to my wife. I've been pleasant to my children. Maybe I've gone to Lidl and I've bought a carton of orange juice for the uh, homeless person outside. Maybe I've done lots of good things and then after a week of that I might come here and I could sit feeling confident that I can pray and sing enthusiastically and passionately because of how well my week has gone. I could be tempted to base how I feel about my relationship with God on how well I think I'm doing. But each of these things, whether it's escapism, comfort, uh, trying to uh, be a good person, all of these things are nothing compared to what we have in Jesus. Amen. So we're going to look at the next section now of, uh, of this passage, um, and we'll be able to uh, contrast the new covenant with the old, the new deal with the old. So you see from verse 7 to verse 13. Now, if you look through there, this section is largely quoted from a, a book in the Bible called Jeremiah, which was actually written 600 years before, before Jesus. And it was originally written to God's people about a time in the future that they were longing for. 
And if you read through, you can see it tells us that the old way we hear about in the Old Testament was about God's people continually failing to keep their side of the bargain. If you look at verse 8, it says, God found fault with the people. They didn't remain faithful. And, God says, I turned away from them. And there's another verse in a book called Deuteronomy that gives us a really good summary of this old covenant, this old way, uh, where it lists all kinds of amazing things that uh, God promises for his people, from blessing their crops and livestock to victory over their enemies. But there's a condition, as it states um, around all of these blessings, it says, and all these blessings shall come upon you if you will obey the Lord your God. So the old deal was dependent on God's people keeping their side of the bargain, but they kept failing. But then from verse 10 uh, in our passage, we read about the new covenant, the new deal that we can experience today. And it says from verse 10, it says about God, he will put his laws in our mind. He will write them on our hearts. He will be our God. We will be his people. We will all know him from the least to the greatest. He'll forgive our wickedness. He'll remember our sins no more. And this is the deal that we have thanks to the way of Jesus, that we can know him. So it's no longer about God saying, if you do this, then I will bless you. Now it's, I will bless you and you shall. So when we're tempted to drift away from depending on what Jesus has done for us and lean instead on other things, let's remember how, just how superior Jesus is. So when we want to escape, want to escape from hurt or pain or loneliness, we can remember that we're not alone. It says there, he knows us, and he knows and he understands our pain. When we're struggling to do the right things that we know we should do, or we can't forgive ourselves for mistakes we've made, we can remember that thanks to Jesus, he will forgive our sins and remember them no more. (coughs) Maybe you struggle to forgive yourself but he it says he will remember them no more and what about when we might be uh depending on ourselves being good um i know of someone who spoke at a church once and um after they spoke uh, one of the older ladies in the church came up to him and she was really angry really furious and she said i've been coming to this church for 30 years How dare you call me a sinner? And now we might not be quite like that, but it's easy for us to think that we can approach God because of how we live our life. But I find it so encouraging that even if it's been so long since you picked up your Bible that you don't know where it is, even if we've been rude to our family or friends, even if we've had a terrible week where we know we've messed up, This new deal that Jesus has won for us means we can come to God through just the same way 
as if we'd been on our knees in prayer and fasting all week. The same way through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, on Thursday, I was driving to parents' evening, and as I was stuck in a traffic jam on the Mancunian Way, I had the radio on, and uh, I started to hear this song. And it was a song I'd, I'd heard a version before, but this had a, a big orchestra with it. And uh, as I'm sat in the car, I was listening to this song, and I thought, I really like this song. And I started to crank up the volume really loud, and I was gripping onto the steering wheel, and I was just mesmerized that this song had a, like an emotional impact on me, really deep. I can't quite express uh, how I moved I felt by this song that was just playing on the radio. And this isn't a normal experience for me. Um, and my eyes welled up. It was, it was incredible to be kind of uh, touched in that way and to have that feeling. And I don't know whether you've ever had that with a song or another experience where you had such an intense feeling. Maybe in, in worship that can happen, can't it? When we're singing to God, that intense uh, uh, emotional feeling inside us, maybe of joy, um, it, felt it can feel amazing. So just, if you can remember a moment like that, where some kind of intense joy uh, that you've experienced, and now consider that that is nothing compared to being in heaven, to being in God's presence. Imagine the ecstasy of that day. Not, not listening to an amazing song made on human instruments by humans, being listened to through my human ears and my human heart, but angelic sounds in the presence of God. And thanks to Jesus, that can be our experience. That will be our experience. The greatest experiences we can have in this world will be a mere shadow compared to what we have in the New Deal, thanks to Jesus. Let's, um, let's stand and, and I'll pray, and then, uh, and then we'll sing again together. Lord, you know all of the things that compete for our attention. And you know all of the places we're tempted to go to, to find fulfillment or to feel at ease or at peace. But Lord, I thank you that you've shown us the way of true life. And the way through Jesus Christ. The living water where we'll never thirst bread of life or will never go hungry. Lord, help us to oh, feast on you, to delight in you, to rejoice in you. I thank you that you are our rock and our refuge and whatever's happening in our lives, you know about it and you care about it. Lord, would you be working in each of our hearts now by your spirit? Mm. We welcome you to work in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to turn away from counterfeits and fakes and look to you, the real deal, mm. yeah. the source of true life. Mm. 